Hey there, it's me, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, that redheaded actor from Modern Family. I have a podcast. It's combining a couple of my favorite things, talking and food. Please join me as I dine with the biggest names in entertainment, people like Julie Bowen, Kristen Bell, Fred Armisen, and so many more. It's called Dinners on Me, and you're invited. Am I saying a chocolate souffle is going to get me to reveal all of my secrets? Yeah, I am. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. So I was just searching online a minute ago, why do printers? And the search bar finished the sentence for me with, why do printers go offline? Why do printers break so often? Why do printers jam, randomly make noise? And why do printers suck? I am not alone. In fact, they're designed, it seems, to to frustrate us. And while so many other aspects of technology and our lives have gotten better over time, they just seem to get worse and worse and worse. This is Jeffrey Fowler, a tech columnist for The Post and a writer on The Help Desk. The Help Desk is a team of journalists at The Post who take a really strong point of view on writing about tech. And that is, we're always on your side. So we give you advice on how to better live with tech, and we raise an angry fist into the air when something isn't designed or working our way. And this week, the help desk tackled printers. We were having our regular team meeting, and someone on the team brought up an idea about one aspect of printers that really sucks. And then everybody else on the team started saying, oh, yeah, well, what about ink? What about the software? And we just kept going on and on, and we realized, oh, boy, we've got a major problem, and that printers may actually be the worst technology that exists in consumers' lives. And so Printer Week was born. The thinking was, well, sharks get their own week, uh, so so should printers. Because printers are kind of like the sharks of personal tech. And I could not agree more. So Libby, what kind of experience have you had with a printer? Well, I have a very melodramatic printer at home, and it won't connect to my laptop despite being, like, Wi-Fi capable. It won't connect to my phone. When it finally does connect, if I somehow do it right, all the lights in my dining room flicker, like, the house is haunted or like it's an episode of Stranger Things. Um, Now, this is a replacement printer I had to buy because the last one, which I got because it was small and handy in my small home, ran out of ink and I couldn't get replacement cartridges. And that's how the industry wins. They have all of these tricks to try to get us to keep buying new stuff. What you have experienced is an example of what I think is really kind of the central thing that we've learned about printers. And that is printers are kind of ground zero for all of the worst ideas that Silicon Valley has come up with for ways to try to control us as consumers. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Libby Casey, your guest host. It's Friday, July 14th. Today, we'll explore all things printers and why companies can't seem to make a decent one. If you're like half of Americans who still own a printer, or if you're in the market for one, Jeff is here to make your life a little easier. Whatever happened to the idea of evolving beyond printers? Like, you know, there was this idea that workplaces might be less paper-heavy, which would be good for the environment, um, also good for the sanity of people who don't like working with printers. Where are we at in sort of our evolution as people who need to print things? Yeah, the idea of the paperless office is now more than 40 years old. 
So from the earliest days of personal computers, one of the ways that these companies marketed the idea of why you'd want one of these devices in your office or in your home is that it would save you from the explosion of paper that you had all over the place. And there was even this early ad for IBM that Jim Henson helped make for them. At IBM, our work is related to the paperwork explosion. Specifically, the paperwork in an office. And the truth is, we do now print a bit less than we used to in the 90s, but printing still has not gone away. Uh, About half of all American homes still have a printer in them, and laser and inkjet manufacturers are still selling about 17 million printers. So uh, they're still out there. They're still a part of our lives. We've just shifted kind of what we print and maybe how often we print these days, right? Uh, Maybe you print out when you have a return label for a package that you got, or you need to sign some forms for your lawyer or for a doctor's office. Um, Maybe if you've got kids, you need to print because they have assignments or they need coloring pages. Uh, So despite all the efforts to go go digital, many of us still need them. Who is buying and, and using printers? You know, you mentioned that the sales are still quite high, but who are the consumers? I think there's a whole generation of folks who still think, um, if you own a computer, you have to own a printer too. Uh, still think. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little story. Um, it's about my parents. So if they're listening, hi. Um, we get into a little bit of a fight whenever they visit me out in San Francisco because uh, before they go to the airport, they always want to print out their airline tickets. <laughs> and I say, why are you printing them out? Why do you feel the need to do this? These are two folks, very tech savvy for seniors. You know, they're on their phones all the time. I show them the app. They're like, no, we really want to have that physical printout. So there's still that culture where people feel there are certain things you just got to print out. I mean, I think about health records. You know, I feel like I'm constantly printing things off, filling out forms, having to upload them. You need a printer so often as part of that process. And in fact, one of the great stories we've got as part of Printer Week explores the world of people like doctors' offices that still rely on so many printouts. And what we hear from them is, you know what? You know what else also gives out is sometimes digital records, right? The internet cuts off. Mm -hmm. The software has an error. Or as we've seen happen all across the country, there's a hack, right? And the files get locked out. And in the case of a medical office, that can be a matter of life and death if they can't get to the information they need. So some people say, you can't take away my printer. I need it to save people's lives. I'm I'm curious about how much money and how much of a business this all translates into. So if people are relying on printers as part of their business or whether they're having them at home, what kind of an industry is this? It's a big business. I mean, we're spending more than $10 billion a year just on the hardware. And by one estimate that I saw recently, we're spending more than $20 billion a year just on ink and toner to go into these printers. So how come the printers haven't evolved? Why do we need to buy so much toner and ink? Is there a smarter, more efficient way to be doing this? If you ask me, it comes down to some pretty misaligned incentives. At some point, the printer industry decided that it wanted to be a lot like the razor and razor blade industries. So when you buy a razor blade at the store, it doesn't cost very much. It seems very cheap, but when you need to get more blades for it, they're pretty expensive. And that way, the 
razor blade company, um, continues making money and a lot of it over time and also makes you think up front, oh, this isn't going to cost me that much. Printer companies thought the same. They said, okay, what if we sell people the printer hardware, the thing that sits on your desk for very little money? It would take a loss on it. You know, most printers, if you go to Best Buy today, cost some are even less than 100 bucks, 100 to 200 bucks. And that's not very much money for something that maybe has a scanner on top and has some pretty sophisticated technology to be able to spit out all these thousands of droplets per second to recreate a lifelike image. Like, there's no way that they could actually do that for $200. So the way the printer industry makes money then is by trying to sell you that ink or toner that fills up the printer. But that means that over time, we have to keep spending more and more and more money on something that we thought was supposed to be cheap. So we get angry, we feel like they're controlling us, and they have all the power. So on my my printer, which cost a little over $200 to buy the hardware for, just replacing the ink in it once costs $123. Why should just replacing the ink on it cost more than half the price of the original printer? That's outrageous. But is that expensive to the manufacturer? I mean, to the how much is it to make that ink? It costs them about $2 to make that ink. Oh. So they're charging us ounce per ounce more than Dom Perignon champagne to inject into this printer when it's actually, you know, very, very little cost to them. You know, sometimes I can't tell if my printer is running out of ink, and I'm that person who pushes it to the very end. I get the warning, though, that the ink cartridge is running low, and I can still get a lot of mileage out of that thing. So what's happening there? That's all part of their design. They want to make you think that, oh my gosh, I'm running low on ink. I should go buy another cartridge and stick it in there and maybe even toss this one out so they can keep making more money on you. It's like on your razor blade. Sometimes they put little like coloring on it that make you think that like, oh, that coloring is faded. Thus, I must need a new razor blade. Same thing's going on with your printer. They're trying to convince you to toss it even when there might be plenty in there. How smart are printers and ink cartridges? Not to say that they are actually haunting my house, but um, like, how sophisticated are they, Jeff? So much of the effort into making printers smarter has actually gone into trying to control how we use the cartridges. So a couple years ago, printer makers started putting microchips inside the, the ink cartridges that we stick in them. And they use these to try to control and watch what we're printing and use that information to push us to either buy more ink when we don't need it or they're using it to uh, keep us from trying to buy ink from other sources that might be cheaper. So printers are very smart, but they're using their smarts too often in very dark, anti-consumer kinds of ways. So wait, so my printer could monitor my activity? Absolutely monitoring your activity. And if you've signed up for one of these uh, ink replacement services, they're literally watching everything you do because that's how they decide when to send you more ink. What about if I throw in the towel and say I'm not having a printer at home and I go to a location that has a printer as something that I can pay to use? What do we know about how they might be storing my information or how private that exchange could be? You would assume that if you go someplace and you pay to print something out, that once you've printed it, they're going to delete your document from their systems. But uh, that is not necessarily what's going on. Uh, As part of Printer Week, our colleague Tatum Hunter went 
through uh, UPS and FedEx and a lot of other kind of public printing locations and ask them to explain what their practices were. And some of them actually said, no, we maintain the right to hold on to the contents of what you print and could even use it uh, potentially to do things like marketing. Now, they'd have to get your permission to do that. But still, why on earth are they not doing the most like obvious and consumer-friendly thing in the world, which is just delete it when you're done printing? After the break, Jeff explains some hacks to make your printer ink less expensive and if they're worth it. We'll be right back. In-laws, love them or hate them, you're pretty much stuck with them. And when you're a ruler in the Middle Ages, that can be a serious problem. It might even land you dead. I'm Dan Jones, and on season four of This Is History, I'm telling the story of England's weirdest king, Henry III. He's in way over his head, and he's surrounded by bloodthirsty relatives with their eyes on his throne. To listen, search This Is History and follow wherever you get your podcasts. So, Jeff, you and the help desk have promised to make printing a little bit easier for all of us, also cheaper. So what have you got for me? What's the first thing that we all need to know about how to improve this process? The first thing I would say is you don't actually have to buy the very, very expensive name brand ink to go into your printer. That said, if you decide to try to save money and you could save 50% or more on what you're spending on ink— the printer industry is not going to like it, and they might make your life a little bit more challenging if you try to do that. How? So you know those microchips I mentioned that are embedded in the cartridges that allow the printer company to monitor what you're printing, how much you're printing, and also where you're getting your ink from. And if they notice that you try to get ink from someplace other than them, they might pop up lots of warning messages. Uh, they might try to make it sound scary. They might even try to make it seem like your printer is broken and then take you know, another hour out of your life as you try to reset everything. Could I go old school and try to refill the ink myself like I'm Benjamin Franklin meets, like, uh, AI? I'm so glad you asked. So as part of Printer Week, I wanted to see if there was a way that I could save money on my ink. Um, you know, I had just refilled the cartridges on my printer. It cost me more than 120 bucks, And I said, there's got to be a better way. So to mm -hmm. do that, I decided to test all of the alternatives to the name brand ink from HP. That's a normal sound from a printer. I decided to go to a website that sells what's called remanufactured ink. So that's ink that uses original cartridges often, but is refilled at a facility someplace else. I also tried these systems where you can actually go and get a bottle of ink and a hypodermic needle and try to inject it yourself back into the cartridges. It's got a Let's little the syringe here. Little syringe situation. What could possibly go wrong? I'm loving this. Shake it up, shake it up a little bit, just give it a little. I even tried one recipe I found online for making your own ink at home, kind of a homebrew ink technique. I've got the recipe here in front of me. Okay, what's first? Step one, please get me eight ounces of honey. 
um, which involved uh, scraping little bits of char off of uh, a metal plate after I ran a candle over it. That is not going well. Great. This is called Lamp Black, and this goes back to ye olden times, far before there were printers. I was kidding about Benjamin Franklin, but now I realize I was, like, right on the nose. Oh, yeah, we went there. Um, I, I got to say, really not going to recommend making your own homebrew ink. Uh, it was a fun science experiment, so maybe something fun to try with the kids, but did not uh, lead to great printouts. But what I did learn in the process is that actually the quality in the printouts that I got from the remanufactured ink, even from, for the most part, from the, the ink I injected myself, was nearly indistinguishable from the name brand ink. And in a column that I've got on on the Post website, you can actually zoom in and see the quality for yourself. So judge for yourself. And when you talk about quality, you know, one thing that I remember from maybe a generation of printers ago was that ink could smear, um, which doesn't happen with laser jet printers, Jeff. Check my check my, <laughs> my that stats That is correct. That is correct. So when you were doing this yourself, I mean, were you having a problem of like smearing and messiness as well? No. Uh, the one problem that we did face with the print quality was in one of the cartridges that we injected the black ink ourselves into, um, we we found that maybe we didn't inject it exactly right. And so at, at a certain point in the printing, it would kind of like blob out onto the page. So I would say, though you can save a ton of money by injecting your own ink into your cartridges, maybe avoid that one if you're more of a a messy or nervous person. But certainly with the remanufactured cartridges, the print quality was all just fine. Do not try this on your roommate's tablecloth. That's the takeaway. Absolutely. You should have seen the mess that we made trying these everywhere. So what's the takeaway from that? I mean, is is it just you don't have to go expensive? Is there another way that we should be thinking about this? The takeaway is you don't have to buy the name brand stuff. But let me add one other coda to that bit of recommendation. Now, normally, I'm the first person to tell everybody, install the software updates on your computer. Install the software updates on your phone. They protect you. They deal with potential hacks. So it's really important to do. Do not follow that advice on printers. Never update the firmware or the software on your printer. In fact, to everybody who's listening, go to your printer right now, tap through the settings, and figure out how to turn off those automatic updates. Because what I learned in this process is that printer companies are using those updates, those over-the-air updates, to try to stop you from using ink cartridges that you buy somewhere else. So they're constantly trying to change the software so they can identify when you're using uh, uh, non-name brand ink and then cause you worry or troubles or, in my case, um, even a little bit worse along the way. Jeff, did printer manufacturers comment on any of this? Like, did HP comment on this? HP has very little to say. They refuse to put an executive on the phone with me to talk about ink. Same goes for Canon, one of the other biggest ink companies. What HP does say is that its uh, software updates are designed to keep our devices secure. 
you know, in my many, 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 many years of tech reporting, I can't recall a time when I've heard about a case where somebody's printer um, had a security flaw that put them at risk. But I can think of many, many times, including now in my own life, where their security updates have caused my printer to be less functional than it was before. So if someone is looking to buy a printer, despite hearing these warnings, or if they're in the market for a new one, what should they look for and consider that will help them get a printer that makes them suck a little bit less, Jeff? So first thing I would say is stop for a moment and think about whether you really need a printer. I was surprised as we started working on these Printer Week stories to find out that there were lots of places in the U.S. where you could print things, you know, at the library, at the office, but even even things like Amazon returns. Uh, You don't need to print out that label at home anymore. For example, if you just bring the thing you want to return to the UPS store and then show them a QR code on your phone, they'll print out the label. So maybe you actually don't need the printer as much as you think you do. If you decide, yeah, but you still really do want want to need a printer at home for some documents. We've got one specific laser printer that we recommend. It's not super expensive. It's a laser printer rather than an inkjet, which means that there's a little bit less of those shenanigans with uh, trying to upsell you on the name brand toner that goes in it. And, you know, lots of people, including folks on the help desk team, like my colleague Chris Velasco, own one of these and say, you know what, it's fine. It's not great, but it's fine. So, Jeff, what can we learn from all the reporting that the help desk has done about printers in terms of how the industry is treating its customers? One of my tech heroes is a thinker named and writer named Cory Doctorow. And he recently said, the battle for the soul of digital freedom is taking place inside your printer. Printer companies have taken a lot of the worst ideas from Silicon Valley and embedded them inside their devices as ways to try to control us as consumers. And that not only makes us less happy, reduces actual competition that would make things better, and ultimately is worse for the environment, too, because we end up having to buy more crap that we don't really need. Jeff, thanks so much for talking all things printers with us on Printer Week. All right. Y'all take care. Jeffrey Fowler is a tech columnist at The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Eliza Dennis. It was edited by Rena Flores. It was mixed by Sean Carter. Thanks to Mo Rodman, Chris Velasco, Jonathan Barron, and Yoon Hee Kim. Our team includes Maggie Penman, Rena Flores, Ted Muldoon, Martine Powers, Alahe Azadi, Monica Campbell, Eliza Dennis, Alana Gordon, Ariel Plotnik, Arjun Singh, Jordan Marie Smith, Renny Zvernovsky, Sabi Robinson, Emma Talkoff, Sean Carter, and Renita Jablonski. Our intern is Tanya Chavla. I'm Libby Casey. We'll have a special episode Saturday for you, and then we'll be back with our regular programming Monday with more stories from The Washington Post. 